Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I wouldn't listen to that, and I'm sure you wouldn't either. So, before we get to today's topic, again, I want to thank the listeners. This is uh, Podcast 21, and we are right on the edge of 2,000 global listeners. Uh, I'm just stunned. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Thank you for liking. Thank you for commenting. there's been a lot going on, a lot going on in society. Uh, we've got a presidential election coming. We still have civil unrest. We've got fires in California. And and, and, and what's next in 2020? Because we're still in a global pandemic, right? <laughs> uh, every day brings something new. And I just appreciate the fact that y'all are listening in and uh, seem to be liking what, what we're doing here. Today's topic has been a lot on my mind, and I had a Beatles song in my head, and I thought we could play it, but then I thought, well, we better not, because we'll probably have to pay for it, and if we don't pay for it, we'll, we'll get sued. So let's stay away from that, but the song is Help. Help. I need somebody, right? And I thought a lot about help, because uh, even though we're in the pandemic, uh, agencies uh, still need help and assistance. So I've been traveling. Uh, I traveled uh, last week and the week before and uh, next week as I speak to you, I'm in, I'm going to be in California and the next week Florida and uh, of course we're taking all precautions. don't worry. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm uber careful. We're all uber careful. We've got uh, masks and, and and cleaning supplies for the hotel room and and I'm I'm glad to see that so far all the agencies are equally as careful taking the precautions they need to take, and you need to as well. But let's talk about help. It, it, it seems like a, a no-brainer, right? Well, we get help from this person. But, but are we ready to ask for help when we need it? Or are we just forging ahead? You've heard me speak a lot about uh, the, the mistakes that I made back when I was creating my intelligence division. I, I was blindly foraging ahead, and, and uh, whether it was a combination of I didn't want help or I didn't know who to ask for help, uh, probably a combination of the both, I, I made a lot of stumbles, a lot of them, till I got it right. And that's you know, kind of one of the reasons I do a lot of education on uh, my top five hurdles to intelligence-led policing, which is an earlier podcast, because I don't want you to have to fall into those. And especially when it comes to setting up new things. You know, in law enforcement, uh, I I like to say, and I I say this lovingly because I'm the exact same way, is uh, when it comes to equipment or or, 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 you know, go bags or any kind of thing, we're not happy with what we have, and we, but we really just don't want to change, 
And, and so change is difficult and, and help, help incurs change, a change in the way we do things, a change in the thinking of the way we do things. Law enforcement typically is not historically not great on asking for help. I mean, look at, uh, uh, sharing data with uh, a sheriff or a police or the feds dun, 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 or, 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 <laughs> or state, we, we, we don't a lot of times go into that with open arms, uh, for, for various reasons, various reasons, but, but it could garner us help in what we've got going on. What about help from society help from the community? Sometimes we have to eat a little bit of crow and say, we don't know what we're doing. And I think that's the core of it right there is the, the admission that we need the help coming around to finally saying, we, we don't have a handle on this. We don't know what we're doing. We need that help. I guess the reason this came up in my head is because I have been traveling so much, but I had one particular agency, a very large agency. I won't, I won't say what agency it was, but I had a great conversation with somebody who was going to be uh, the leader of their new real-time crime center. Uh, haven't, haven't really started it, haven't really uh, got any equipment or anything like that. We won't go into any of that. But I was having a good conversation with this person who was at home as, as I am now. And uh, literally the quote was, we have no idea what we're doing. Could you please come and help? And it stuck with me. And I didn't take it as, oh, oh they've asked me for my help. Oh, that's great. I, I feel validated. I was proud of that sergeant to simply utter those words. It's difficult for us to do that. Especially if you have a new situation, you've been newly promoted, you've been given a new division that doesn't exist. The, the weight of the world, if you will, is on your shoulders to make this happen. You would think that we would say, well, I'm going to get all the help I can get. And some people are very good at that. But many of us go, I could do this on my own. I, this is going to be my success and my success only. You, it's very rare to be able to do it on your own. And trust me, if you try to do it on your own, you're going to run into so many brick walls before you get there that are unnecessary. I was thinking about the wealth of knowledge that is in our policing world. Those who have gone before us, those who have blazed the path. And I can tell you, as one that is, is called upon many times to give prior knowledge, um, we're glad to do it. We're, we're very glad to do it. I, the, the, an old captain I had who's, who's now passed on, uh, I, I would go to him a lot as a new detective. Hey, captain, you've been doing this since before I was born. <laughs> that was always our joke. You've been doing this before I was born, captain. What? Tell me. Tell me how this was done. Tell me how you did this. And a lot of times the, uh, the technology uh, wasn't there, obviously, or, or the techniques were much different than even maybe what I learned in, uh, in, in detective certification. But I gave them a shot. Listen to them. There's validity in all of them. Old, new, there's a validity. And I would combine those and I'd go, I, I got a little help from this, I got a little help from that. I would tell people when I got something new or 
Uh, I think I told every detective, <laughs> I don't know if this endeared me or not, but I think I told every detective when I got into the division that, you know, hey, I'm going to be pulling on all of you. I'm going to suck the knowledge out of every single one of you uh, so, that, so that I can be better because you've done this. We, we have to be able to ask for help. You, you'd be surprised how many will go, yeah, here you go. Yeah, here you go. And, and those who go figure it out on your own, let me give you a clue. If you ask somebody for help and, 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 and they push back, nah, I, I, nobody helped me. You figure it out on your own. What they're actually saying is, I don't know the answer to your question. <laughs> they, they don't know themselves. I mean, some of them might be just complete jerks, but in general, it's because they don't know either. And, and they don't want anybody to know that they don't know. And, and that's where we get into the issue. We're afraid to admit that we don't know. We have to be able to admit that. We have to be able to admit that we don't know how to solve a problem. If you've worked so hard in your department and brought in other people and, and, and really you've asked for help locally and you cannot find a solution start to step outside other departments, your sheriff's department, your fire department for that matter, fire investigators. If you're working a, a, an arson case and you've got a fire investigator, but for some reason you had the arson case, th they've probably had a lot more training in that than you have. Step over to, to the boys in red, right? We have to stop looking at ourselves as this is mine, this is yours, this is yours, that is yours. You do that, I do this. We all push toward a common goal of public safety and rule and order, right? We have to keep pushing toward that goal, but we cannot do it by ourselves, period. So I empower you to be the one who says, I don't know. But on the flip side, once you gain that knowledge, I also empower you to be the one that says, I can help. Um, I was very flattered to get two calls this week, uh, one from Florida and one from Virginia of listeners. Uh, one has a podcast that they've asked me to be on. I'm glad to do that. I'll actually be doing that um, this coming Monday. Uh, once I land in California, we're going to do a, a, a podcast there. Glad to help him out. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's a, a very fine crime analyst from Florida. My friend's down there. Hello, everybody. And, and he's got a great podcast. He sent me a link. I've listened to it. And you would think, well, why are you talking about his podcast? Don't you want people? Listen, I'm all about, like I say all the time, I'm all about a multitude of ideas, people coming together. It's what we're talking about here. And the other one was a, a professor at a university. Uh, former law enforcement, who's asked me to step in because he has to teach uh, upon uh, specifically CompStat, uh, which I teach on quite a bit. But we expanded that out, and now he wants me to uh, teach his class on uh, a, a variety of policing methodologies. He asked for help. He, he didn't have to. I'm, I'm literally honored and flattered from both of them. But I did not hesitate. And they did not hesitate to ask. And, and what's the end goal? The end goal is we come together with more information. We come together for a better outcome. 
That's what we're talking about here. You know, as I record this, um, it is the anniversary of uh, the attacks in New York and uh, D.C., Virginia, uh, 9-11. Uh, we all remember where we were. We all remember where we were. I, I happened to be uh, watching it. Uh, I was watching uh, one of the morning shows in New York. And I remember the look on the face of the broadcaster, not necessarily a news broadcaster. This was one of the uh, morning shows, you know, the, the happy go lucky, welcome, good morning kind of th stuff. And the look on their face was um, mm, off-putting. Uh, the first, the first plane hit and that, that news came in and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you the most on that. Now let, let's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll follow that. Now let's, let's go over here. They, they can tried to continue on because, you know, at that point, a plane, uh, supposedly had hit a tower. Um, that's not the only time it's happened, by the way, uh, smaller planes have hit buildings in, uh, New York, uh, by accident. Um, but then the second one hit. And everything changed. Everything changed. Uh, everything was dropped. Sometimes our plans shift. And, and not that they asked for help, but they knew they had to shift. And, and, and that's the core of help, right? Is that we, we, we are reluctant to ask because of the change, because the change will make us shift our plan. Well, they shifted their plan very quickly that day and for the subsequent days. And I don't know if you guys have seen the video, but there were some um, fire personnel that were actually um, filming a video on um, in, in New York on checking for gas and knowing where the gas mains are and and all that. And and it was they were filming it while this occurred, and it's one of the only clips of the first plane hitting. And the the camera went back to their faces, and their eyes changed. They knew right then they needed to get to work. No hesitation. No hesitation at all. But they knew they couldn't do it alone. Big building, big fire, lots of problems. We've got to evacuate people. Uh, I, I read about a boat, um, one of the big um, tour ferries. that's actually operated out of um, um, Sweden or Norway, if get which one right now and they jumped to action and helped evacuate uh 500,000 people from Manhattan while that was happening they helped you know, New York was not afraid to ask for help they knew they needed the help they didn't say we can do this on our own following days um Everybody wanted to help. Everybody was pitching in. Everybody was buying, you know, you know, flags and support of NYPD. I, I still see I was I was out yesterday running some errands and, and I still see um, the the FDNY stickers. Right. Lives were lost that day. So, so many in the building uh, who, who were working that day. But those who ran into it, police and fire. And said, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to help. I'm going to sacrifice, potentially. And many of them did. Whole battalions were lost. It's the spirit of helpful humanity. 
I mean, it's, it's really the spirit we look for. It's the spirit that we, that we strive. It's a spirit we hold up. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a unifying effort. We're going to get this done. We can get this done. But we need help. Uh, following that and, and tragic events of, again, whole battalions uh, perishing, uh, other agencies nearby sent trucks sent police, sent uh, EMS, sent medical personnel, sent anybody they could. They were there to help. Uh, we had the uh, NFL opener last night. And uh, I'm, I'm from Kansas City, so I'm a Chiefs fan. Sorry for any of you who are not, but nonetheless. And one of the, one of the Chiefs players is a doctor. And he's sat out this season because he wanted to continue to help with the crisis that we have with, with, with the pandemic. And, and he said, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to risk getting somebody sick, then I'm not going to do it playing the game. I love, I'm going to do it helping medically right now. I'll come back when this is better. That's a darn selfless act. You know, he's not in the spotlight. He is right now for that story, but that will fade as, as, as the NFL season goes on, as football goes on, as other things go on. That will fade. We'll remember him, but we'll go, remember that? Remember that guy? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but it's a selfless act to do that. He just jumped in to help. So if so many people are willing to jump in to help in a crisis, why are we then worried about, hesitant with asking for that help. Pride. A a big reason of it is pure pride. Don't need it. I can do it. You know, and is law enforcement and even, even fire, uh, my friends in fire, we, we all have that pride in our job. And I don't mean that, that malicious, ignorant, arrogant pride, but I mean that we're trained enough. We've done this enough. We, we, we can get this done. I can, I, I got this. I got this right. We kind of see it as, uh, you know, if I can do this on my own, then people will see it. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, then, then they'll realize that I'm competent. Let me give you a hint. They realize you're competent anyway, or they would not have given you the task. But a big piece of competency is knowing who to bring in for that assistance. How do we get it done? If you need training on something and can't find it, somebody around you knows that. Even if it's not quote-unquote formal training. I know, I know we all want that, that state post certification. We need that state post certification. But if you can't find it right now, that doesn't mean you sit on your hands and go, well, there were no classes down there. Sorry, I'll have to wait till next year, next month, or whatever. No, go to somebody who has done it. Go to somebody who's been through that and say, hey, while I'm waiting for this, can you help me here? Absolutely. Um, I worked a case many, many, many years ago uh, that uh, I, I, out of the blue, got a call and uh, from, from New York, and they wanted to know about that case because this person happens to be moving to New York and they want to know everything about it. 
So I immediately jumped in, told them what I remembered, got my agency on board, agency sent all the documents over. And, and now, uh, they, they can, they can handle that and, and make decisions based on this. Well, I'll, I'll just say it cause you convicted, convicted child predator that is now wanting to move to New York. They asked for, they didn't have to. Do you have any predators are in New York? Go online, search it. It, it. It's, it's insane, right? Like most of our major cities, they could have just gone, but whatever, come on in. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But they asked for that. That that's the, that should be the goal of law enforcement. When it comes to our communities, we should bring them in. We should bring in the community leaders. Yes. Even those that you don't agree with. Yes. Even those that in the past have been seen as adversarial or even mark themselves as adversarial to law enforcement, bring them in for a conversation. It will shock them. Will they be adversarial in the first conversation? Quite possibly, quite possibly, but open that dialogue and throw them a curveball. Not a dialogue of this is what we believe and you believe that and I believe this and you believe that. That's fine. We should do that. But the dialogue should at least end with how can we help each other? How can we come to a conclusion of this? That's right. Get that adversarial person in. They see you as adversarial, by the way. They'll be surprised. And ask them, I get it. You get it. We get it. We don't agree. But where can we come together? How can we mutually help each other? They're probably going to pause for a minute. If they're a, you know, if they want a solution and a conclusion, and I'll be, I'll be the one to admit that historically, uh, you know, over hundreds of years, there are people in this world that do not want a conclusion. They don't, they just want to watch the world burn. Right. I don't think for a minute that Churchill could have sat down with Hitler and went, how do we work this out? <laughs> I think Hitler's solution would have been surrender. That's it. You know, many other people have been like that in history, but for these social situations, it's time to sit down and say, let's help you help. I help. Let's help. Let's find that solution. Most I believe will probably say, whoa, okay. Uh, well, uh, 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 <laughs> oh, how about this? And you may go, okay. Um, yeah, we can do that, but we can't do this because of you know, the laws around that, but we, we can allow this piece. Um, and I need you to help me by, I mean, a give and take, what do you need? What do they need? And, and you're not going to be able to say yes to everything. You're just not on either side, but you will find some common ground with that mutual aid. Look at it as mutual aid. We do mutual aid all the time in law enforcement. That's what this should be a mutual aid. And as you are having this conversation, as you're working this out, you will find that other adversarial groups, I mean, it's not going to be quiet. 
this one you're speaking to is going to leave and go, hey, wait a minute. They, they, they brought me in and said, how can I help? And more groups are going to go, oh, wait a minute. Maybe they're not so bad after all. They're listening. They're speaking. We're having a dialogue. We're having a conversation. They're sharing with us. They're, they're listening. They're, they're empathizing. They want to help. And I can tell you that if you have that conversation with one that says, you can't help, you're, you're all rotten, you're all da-da-da-da-da, and there's no moving that person, and I know this is going to be a very controversial statement, but if there's no moving a person, in, in, in any argument, really, take out the social component, take out any argument with a person, if, they, if there's no movement in them, then perhaps their goal was not to move in the first place. Perhaps their goal was just to create strife. We all know people who are there to just create strife. If you say you don't know one, log into Facebook. You're going to find people who are just throwing grenades over the wall. Grenades over the wall. Grenades over the wall. I like people who have solutions. Or if they don't have solutions, they have ideas upon approaching a solution. That, that's the kind of people we like. That's the kind of people we like in law enforcement. And you know what? Here's, here's a tidbit. Most of our societal leaders, like our homeowners associations and our, uh, our, our, our activist groups, they like people who are looking for a solution. In general, people don't want to see their neighborhoods burning. People don't want to see strife. People don't want to see people violent. But they're going to stand up when they feel that there's an injustice. And, and frankly, so will we as law enforcement. So will we as law enforcement. I mean, uh, you get a, a, a cop shot, okay? Um, you're going to see cops stand up, right? What do we say? You know, we, we, you go to a bank robbery and the bank robber runs out and shoots one of you, gets in his car and drives away, okay? On every cop's mind is we got to find that person. We, we can't let this stand, okay? Well, flip the coin. If there's injustice, per, even perceived injustice, Okay, because it's all about people's perception. It really is. Their reality is how they perceive the situation. And so is ours. As we are working through a situation, our reality is our perception until we have more information. Well, how do we get more information? Well, we don't get more information by clamming up and just throwing rocks at each other. We get more information to enhance our reality, right? Like facts, Opinions, all of that. Get the, get the entire book written and in front of us by having these conversations. But we cannot have these conversations unless we ask for help. Help is not a weakness. Help is strength in the face of potential failure. I mean, think about it. If you know you need the help, then you think that you probably can't pull this off. If you stay quiet, you're accepting that failure. 
But if you come forth and say, we don't have a solution to this, but this can't go on. We do know that. That's our common goal. Our common goal is this cannot go on. Change has to occur. So next step is let's talk it out. We need help, mutual help. The Beatles song is going to be in your head all day. And it's been in my head all morning. I, I literally got up with it running through my head and I said, that's what I'm talking about today. Obviously, this was an unscripted one. I don't, I don't like to script. I like to speak from the heart. But from the heart, I implore you. I implore you. Help is a four-letter word, but don't treat it as a four-letter word. Okay, now over to our stupid criminals. I've got some good ones for you today. Jefferson County, Colorado, over in Colorado, where my, where my friends in Colorado this last week had a 90-degree day followed by a 30-degree day. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. 34-year-old David Peg Pangalo of Jefferson County, Colorado needed to deposit some cash. So he went to his bank's drive-thru, where they still use those, you know, those air-powered pneumatic tubes that will, I don't know, if, if, if positioned right, suck the tire off your car. Yeah, mm-hmm. So he, he took his cash in his hand, and instead of putting it in the little tube, he, he, he kind of held his hand up under the pneumatic, and they turned it on, and whoosh, there went the cash. Okay, still got there. However, when the teller opened... <laughs> There, the door to the pneumatic tube. It wasn't just his money. It was um, two bags of Coke <laughs> that he was also holding in his hand. Apparently, he forgot about it. Like, did not realize that the two bags of Coke that were in his hand left with the cash. So he sat there waiting. Guess what they did? Of course, they called the cops. Cops showed up, searched his car, and more bags of Coke. Congratulations. You have a one-way trip to jail. And many years tacked upon that. Plus, when they ask you in prison, what are you in for? You're going to just have to say, because I'm stupid. Let's go to my state, Georgia. And I am not joking. I looked this up. You're going to think I'm making a joke. I'm not. You can look it up yourself. 35-year-old guy in Georgia named <clears throat> Speedy Gonzalez. I'm not joking. I'm not being crass. I'm not being mean. I looked it up, found the mugshot. The guy's name is Speedy Gonzalez. Okay? And you're going to love the rest of this. He just got arrested after several months on the run. <laughs> uh, yeah, his legal name is Speedy Gonzalez, and he was running. Cops had been looking for him since late January after he stole more than $3,000 worth of checks from a guy's mailbox. A guy's mailbox. What in the world? Uh, they've been tracking him since March and finally arrested him after a cop pulled him over. Now, it's not clear if he tried to outrun them, but we can imagine that he probably did. Sorry, joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's facing charges for forgery, identity fraud, and theft by deception. And he had more outstanding warrants in Georgia and Alabama. Let's just say he did not live up to his name. Elkhart County, Indiana. The police in Elkhart County, Indiana, tried to pull over a 25-year-old guy from Minneapolis when they spotted him in his red Ford Mustang doing 120 miles an hour in a 70-mile-an-hour zone. There's an issue with that? What do you mean? 
But uh, he didn't stop. He just kept going. Got into a 25-mile chase with the cops. 25 miles, that, that, that's a long chase. I mean, I've been in some, um, but I don't know if I were ever 25 miles. But anyway, got in a 25-mile chase with the cops at speeds of excess of 120 miles an hour. And then he finally stopped. Hmm. Cops went up to him. Well, they didn't go up to him. You know how that goes. Felony stop. Uh, when, when, when he got up off the ground after being um, ordered to be there on a felony stop, I'm sure, uh, his excuse, you love this, he thought the cop wanted to drag race. Yep, that was his excuse on scene and his excuse in court, which didn't work. He was uh, convicted on several charges, including reckless driving and resisting arrest. Now let's go to our friends up north, Mapleton, Ontario, Canada. 57-year-old guy called the cops on Saturday night to report that his friend was hanging onto his rear bumper <laughs> to try to stop him from driving. Let's just take a moment, shall we? <laughs> Envision this. So a guy is driving down the street on the phone with the cops complaining that his buddy is hanging onto his bumper and won't let go. Now notice he didn't say he stopped driving. He's driving and complaining that his buddy won't let go. How good a buddy is this? Anyway, when the cops got there, they found out why the friend was doing that. You see, the driver who called the cops was exceedingly intoxicated and his friend was desperately trying to keep him from driving while drunk. The man was charged with DUI, had his license suspended, the friend, of course, was not charged. You know, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you don't agree with, or maybe you do, and have a topic like many of you have, thank you very much, that you would like me to cover. Or maybe you have a funny police story that you'd like to share with me. I encourage you, email me at offthebeat at MotorolaSolutions.com. Give me your thoughts and ideas, and check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore off the beat until next time stay diligent stay educated and stay safe